we've got a, a story that's being told. We know that uh, there are three patriarchal fathers, people who kind of set the model for us in our relationship with God, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham represents God the Father. Isaac represents God the Son, who the Father sacrificed. And Jacob then represents the Spirit because he is going out into the world to find a bride. And that's what the Holy Spirit's doing in the 21st century. He's going out into the world to find a bride, to take, them, to take the bride back. Um, so he's calling, I'm a part of the bride. That's okay, I'm a guy, but I recognize the role of bride of Christ, and I'm, I'm in that. So he's got himself in a mess. He's a deceiver, a conniver. That's his character. That's who he is, manipulator. And he's got himself in trouble, and he's had to leave his home and go out on this journey to find a bride. Now, years later, he's got two brides and 11 sons, and it's time for him to go back because he cannot claim the promise of God till he goes back home. So he's on his journey back home again. And he comes to this point where he's almost home. And he's got a deal with his twin brother back home. Who the last time he spoke to his twin brother, his brother looked him in the eye and said, as soon as dad is dead, I'm going to kill you. Now he's coming back home. And there's tension in the air. Because he knows he's got a deal with his brother. So I want, to, I want us to look at four parts of the story. By the way, uh, all the boys and girls that are in here, I want to welcome you. You are a part of the church. So you, we gave you this little worksheet. You can doodle around if you want to. But on the side with the smiley face, right beside that is the outline. If you want to write these, these down, it will help you retain it. And all, It's the same outline the adults are using. Okay. I'm going to start reading in verse 21. Genesis 20, or excuse me, 32, verse 21. Here, here's the story. So Jacob, Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. We're going to stop right there in the story because I, I want us to talk about that left alone part. So Jacob is going back home to claim the promise. And we skipped over some things, but let me kind of lay the story out because it all plays into this. He is... He has divided up all his assets, the herds, the flocks, and he, God had really blessed him. I mean, he was pretty well rich when it comes to having herds and flocks and camels that just multiplied. So he divides them in two groups, and he sends the one group on ahead as a gift to his brother, trying to bribe him because he knows his brother's upset with him. So he sends, he's got the first half up here, and he separates them from the last half with a little space. 
You see, he wants a backup plan. Because if Esau claims all this gifts, all these flocks and herds, and just claims them as his own, he wants to be able to take the other half and run away. And then behind the second half of assets, he puts his family. Just in case Esau takes everything he's got, he can at least escape with his family. And then he separates himself from his family. He just sent them across the Jabbok. And he stays over here just in case. You see, Jacob's not all in this deal. He's not in. He's all in. He's got to have a backup plan. He's kind of like me. I like a backup plan. I want to know what I'm going to do just in case that falls through. I want some kind of a buffer here. So Jacob's all alone, dispatched everything on the other side. And now it's his turn to cross the Jabbok. You see, the Jabbok is kind of this barrier, this perimeter. And he's got to cross over it. Just like you have to cross over. That's what baptism represents for a Christian, for a believer. It represents us saying, okay, no reserves. I'm not going to hang on to this backup plan and get out just in case I have to. I'm all in. I'm committing myself all the way. That's what baptism represents. My death, burial, and resurrection. It's crossing over to the other side. You know, the, there's a lot of stories about crossing over in the Bible. You know, there was the crossing the Red Sea where God parted the waters. And then God did a similar thing at the River Jordan when Israel walked across to claim the promise. And now we're seeing a third time with the, with the history of ancestry where they got to cross over to the other side. I can't stay here. I got to move on. I can't stay where I've been. I got to move where I want to go. I got to cross over. That's what crossing the Jebek represents here. You see, sin had caught up with him. If you're going to live your life deceiving, manipulating, conniving your way along, sooner or later that's going to rise up and bite you. And he was being confronted with his past. And fear gripped his heart. And he was afraid to take that step. He knew he had to, but he was afraid to do that. Like a lot of us, we're in a situations where we're afraid to take the next step. We know we have to, but there's fear that grips, grips us. So here he is all alone. The, the blanks there, if you want to fill them in, the first part, the first thing I want us to see is the regret at sunset. The sun's going down. It's the end of the day. He started the process of going back home by sending all his stuff ahead. He started that process. The ball's moving. He's moving that direction. But he's still on the other side of the Jabbok. He hasn't yet moved ahead. He's all alone. And that reminds me, I love being in fellowship with you folks. I love coming here on Sunday morning and shaking hands with you and smiling at you and seeing you smile back. I love connecting with you. I love being in God's house. I love being in church. You're my family. But you know, you never get into the kingdom in a crowd. It's always one 
on one. You have to deal with your own past. You have to deal with your own inadequacies, your own fears. You have to deal with it. And we've all got to cross the Jebek all on our own. It's a single thing, one at a time. So that's the regret at sunset as he, as he sees his fears all being raised up before him. The second part of the story is in verse uh, 24. So Jabbok was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. I want us to reflect on that second part. The man who came and wrestled with him till daybreak. We're going to call this the fight at night. There's this wrestling match that's going on, and neither one of them's winning. It just goes on and on and on in this fight. Now, from the context, we're all pretty sure that the man who wrestled with Jacob represented God. But I thought to myself, why doesn't it just say that? Why does it say a man? So I looked that word man up in the Hebrew. I was confident God was going to show me that it could be translated as angel or God in some way. And guess what I discovered? It's used multiple times in the Old Testament in the Hebrew, and it always refers to a man. Sometimes male as opposed to female, but always human. Well, that's not what I was looking for. I was looking for some kind of support that he was talking, he's wrestling with God, but no, he's wrestling with a man, which got me thinking, how are we, how are we Christians in the 21st century supposed to understand what God is saying in the Bible if he keeps hiding things, if he keeps sneaking things in there that we can't understand? And then I understood the parable, or the the. the premise of a parable, a word picture. And I understood God is trying to give me the truth but he's requiring me to search it out. I've got to dig in. I've got to go deeper. And so I got thinking, is there another example of a man somewhere in the Bible who wrestled with something all night? And as I thought about that and reflected on that, I remembered the time the man, Jesus Christ, wrestled all night in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if there's any other way, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Prayed that three times. Tried to get his disciples to wake up and pray with him, but they kept nodding off, falling asleep. This is his big moment. This is his wrestling match where he wrestled with God all night for something. And then I understood this is none other than an example of the pre-incarnate Christ before he was born as a baby showing up in the Old Testament. He's wrestling with Christ. Have you ever wrestled with Christ? Hang on, because I think in the next couple minutes you're going to be wrestling with him, with some things that I'm going to be sharing. Then I looked the word wrestle up because I wanted to know what, what does that really mean? I mean, that's a Bible term? I mean, I've watched it on TV. I know, I know what those guys, guys do. I understand that. Uh, that's a Bible term? Wrestle? So I looked that word up, and you know what it really means in the Hebrew? It means to struggle with. 
to grapple with. It means exactly what we think it means. Wrestling is a good translation, translation of that term. He wrestled with this guy all night long. It says it was until daybreak. In other words, when the day broke, dawn, sunrise, first thing in the morning, the wrestling was over. Have you ever wrestled with something all night? Where you just couldn't get to sleep. This thing just kept coming up in your mind and just kept running it around and around, bannering and back and forth. You know how it makes you feel the next day when you don't get recuperative sleep at night? Jacob's got to deal with this. It's the fight at night. Which brings us to the third thing, the third part of the story which the story picks up here in verse 25, and we'll read on. When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go, for it's daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. There's a couple of really powerful things in there if we'll just think and look at it as a word picture, look at it as a parable and God trying to speak to us between the lines. And I presume you're here today because you're on a spiritual journey. You are trying to connect with God. You, you are wrestling with some things, with some truth. What's true, what's not true, and what might God want of me? We got to ask those questions. This is what I call hanging on till dawn. All night long, Jacob wouldn't let go. He wouldn't let go. Is this a good thing? We need to talk about it. When the man saw he could not overpower Jacob, when God saw he could not overpower Jacob, when God saw that he cannot overpower you, he just reached down and touched his hip. Fight was over. Amazing. In other words, it was like it was a test. It was like a test God had set up for Jacob. Jacob, we can do this the easy way, or we can do this the hard way. Now, some of us in this room, are, I, I know you well enough that I know your testimony is you were, you were raised with the Word of God, and you did your best to follow the Word of God, and you, you saved yourself from a whole lot of the agony you would have gone through had you not obeyed the Word of God. You're the people who did it the easy way, and God, you saved yourself a whole lot of grief. But you know, there's a whole lot of other people in this room, and I'm a prime example, who did it the hard way. And God had to reach down and put something out of joint. He had, he doesn't, he doesn't have to give us one of those dick the bruiser flips, you know. One touch. One touch. 
All it takes, one touch. When God touched my life, turned me inside out, upside down, all which ways, and I didn't know what to think of life anymore. It was that dramatic in my life. And I know there's a couple stories very similar to that in this room where God touched your life and gave you a good flip. So God says to Jacob, let me go. It's daybreak. Daybreak. It's a new day. It's a new chance. It's a new opportunity. It's a new beginning. Let go of me. It's time to put some things into practice. Fresh start. New opportunity. Let go of me. It's a new day. Jacob said, I'm not letting go of you. Not till you bless me. I'm hanging on to you for dear life. I can't let you go. I have to hang on. Stubborn, stubborn. I want to be stubborn like that. God, I'm going to hang on to you no matter what comes, no matter what happens. I'm hanging on to you because I don't have a choice. He's hanging on. I'm not going to let go of you. And so God reached down, touched him right about there. And when he did, his hip went out of joint. And he began to walk with a limp. Something happened. Something broke inside of Jacob. Something changed inside him. He's never going to be the same again because God just touched him in an area that was really important. And God knows where those important areas in your life are. And if we don't do this the easy way, he'll reach down and touch our hip and we'll be walking with a limp. Limps are good things, you know. It was good for Jacob because something broke. Just one touch. I'm reminded of that story in the New Testament where there was this woman who had an issue of blood. She was hemorrhaging. And she couldn't, she was like in 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 her period all the time Year after year, she went to all these doctors and they tried all kinds of stuff that they could do medically in that day and age to to solve the problem and nothing worked. But each doctor, you know, had their hand out. So now she's broke. She's got no hope. There's no new technique, no new therapy to do. So she somehow gets this idea, and we don't know how she got this idea, but she gets this idea, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, just the hem. Now in the Mosaic Law, it says that every good righteous Jew should be identified by having a blue border, a blue band all the way around their, the robe that they would wear. So everybody would have one of these blue bands, represent, blue represents God, the sky. So she says, if I can just touch that blue border of him, if I can just get it behind him. So she worked her way through the crowd because Jesus was like a rock star. Everybody wanted to, wanted to touch him. She worked her way up through. She reached down and she touched the hem of the garment. And as soon as she touched it, just one touch, she didn't touch him, just his garment. And immediately she felt, she felt something change in her body. She was healed. But as soon as she stopped, Jesus stopped as well. And he turned around and he said, who touched me? His disciples said, Lord, everybody's touching you. What do you mean who touched you? 
And he said, no, no, no. Something just went out of me. Something just discharged out of me into somebody. Who was it? Finally, that woman sheepishly raised her hand, said, it was me. It was me. And he looked at her and he said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Your belief has made you whole. Because you believed and followed through and did something about it, that's what made you whole. That's what completed you. God wants us to have that kind of faith, to wake up, to rise up to that kind of faith because he wants to touch us. So God just touched, touched his hip. All it takes is one touch. For some of us in this room, it wasn't our hip he touched. It was our mind. Or it was some, something, in our, maybe it was our pocketbook. He touched some area and put it out of joint. And it was like a devastation to us. And we're still walking with that limp. It's okay, because the story gets better. There's a, there is an end to the story. So he says, I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. You know what he's doing? He's claiming the Abrahamic covenant. Because God said, part of that covenant is, I will bless you so you can be a blessing. We're blessed to be a blessing. It's never blessing us because he wants to put a smile on our face. It's always he blesses us so that we can transfer it to someone else, so that we can be a conduit, a channel of blessing. He pours it in, we pour it out. So he's got room to pour more in, we pour it out. He's got room now to pour even more in, so we can pour it out. It's never, we're never to be the end in itself. We're just a channel. I'm not going to let you go till you bless me. I am hanging on. I am not going to let go. I am not going to get weary. I'm not going to get tired. I'm hanging on to you, God. That's a stubbornness I want to have. That's a stubbornness we all need to grab a hold of. So then they begin the name game. And the man says, what's your name? I'm Jacob. Jacob. You know what the name Jacob means? I think I told you a couple weeks ago. Conniver. Manipulator. Deceiver. Supplanter. Underminer. That's what I am. That's my name. That's my character. That's what I'm known as. And the man looked back at him and he said, you will no more be known as Jacob. From here on out, you're going to be known as Israel. You know what Israel means? He struggles with God. He struggles with God. So his whole character has changed. No longer is he going to be called the manipulator, the conniver. From here on out, he's going to be known as a man who struggles with God. I want to be known as the man who struggles with God. I can never figure God out, but I keep trying to. I keep trying to learn bits and pieces from the Word. I keep trying to grow and stretch myself. I keep trying to be uh, moving ahead, but I struggle with God. I struggle with that kind of faith that says God is total, in total control of my life. I just struggle with that just a little bit. 
I know there's nobody else here that struggles with that. And then Jacob, once, once, and this was a blessing, you know. He changed his name. That was a blessing. So then Jacob says, well, tell me your name. That sounds fair, doesn't it? I told you mine. Now you tell me your name. And did you notice? He didn't do it. He refused to tell him who he was. That's my God. He refuses to tell us who he is. He's always a mystery that we have to seek out and solve. I'm reminded of the time God spoke out of that burning bush, talked to Moses, gave Moses his life challenge to go down, tell Pharaoh, let my people go. I want you to be a deliverer. I want you to reach out to those that are in bondage and deliver them. Go for it. And Moses said, oh, I, I don't think I can do that because, you know, I'm a, I'm a man of few words and when I get up in front of somebody important like Pharaoh, I just kind of freeze up. My mind goes into, goes into, into a brain freeze and I don't know what to say. I'm just, people intimidate me. I can't go and do that. But he did it anyway. God is faithful. And so Moses said, well, if I go tell the people of God that God's going to deliver them, they're going to want to know God, which God? In Egypt, we have all kinds of gods. They're going to want to know your name. What do I tell them, Lord? Remember what God said? You tell them, I am that I am. What kind of name is that? He didn't give him an answer. I am that I am. That's a concept. That's not a name. How do I go tell people that? You see, God won't ever let us figure him out. He's always a mystery. But I'm going to do my best to solve that mystery one day at a time as I pursue God and I seek Him. Which This takes us to the fourth point, final one that I want us to see from the story, which is in verse 30. We're going to start in verse 30. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life is spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Did you notice the two contrasting terms there? He was limping, and the sun arose. Got good news for you. Just because you're limping doesn't mean the sun isn't going to rise again. There's always going to be a new day. A new opportunity. And your out of joint hip has nothing to do with the sun coming up and God blessing you. Nothing to do with it. So the fourth blank, blank here if you want to fill this in is the limp in the morning. The limp in the morning. Just because you've had an encounter with God doesn't mean you know him. It means you know something about him. But it also means you have an appetite, a hunger, a thirst to learn more about God. I hear everybody else talking about how wonderful God is. I'd like to see how wonderful God is myself. I'd like to see God bring some blessing to me. I'd like to see God touch me. Well, maybe you don't really want to be touched by God. <laughs> because if you get touched by God, you walk with a limp from here on out. 
unless I'm mistaken, I think that's where that biblical phrase hip-hop comes from. <laughs> but it's good. It's good. Because he will always remember. He'll never be able to forget his encounter with God. Some of us don't have a hip out of joint. We got other things out of joint. And they're there, they're there for the purpose of reminding us that we never forget. We may be delivered, but we're going to be delivered with a limp. It's the mark of God at work in your life. If, you're, if you got it all together, you don't need God. It's people that don't have it all together that recognize their need from God. So walking with a limp is a reminder that you've met with God. And He's in the process of delivering you. And your brokenness can simply be a step toward God. Stepping in the direction He wants you to go. And then, remember this, the sun rose. It's a new day. Do you think the sun's ever going to rise again in your life? You got your focus on your out of joint hip, out of your problem, out of your difficulty, and so you think the sun's not going to rise? The whole point of the story is the sun rises again no matter what happens to his hip. Moses had a speech problem. I can't go and talk to Pharaoh. Yet the sun rose over Moses. The Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And the Bible says he prayed three times that God would deliver him from this thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. Remember God's answer? My grace is all you need. You need my grace. You don't need to have that thorn in the flesh removed. There's a reason for the thorn in the flesh, or God would take it away. He's left that there to remind us that we're desperate for Jesus. Wilma Rudolph, as a child, contracted polio, which kind of took away the hopes of her parents because, you know, polio was a serious affliction. But she went on to become the first American woman and the first African-American woman to win three gold medals in one Olympic game. The sun still rose over Wilma Rudolph. I don't know if you knew this, but Agatha Christie, famous mystery writer, had a problem called dysgraphia, which means... Nobody can read her writing. She's like all over the page. Nobody could read it. But she dictated over 100 mystery novels to be written and published, and now she's famous. The sun still rose over Agatha Christie. And I don't know, nor do I need to know, what your out-of-joint hip is. But there's one thing I know, the sun is still going to rise. Doesn't make any difference what your past is. Doesn't make any difference what you struggle with. Doesn't make any difference what your addictions are. Doesn't make any difference what other people say about you. The sun can still rise over you. Amen. 
grab a hold of this, church. This is what God wants us to know about him. That the sun is going to rise. Let's stand together. I feel God impressed on my heart to pray for people this morning who are wrestling with something. Not going to define that. That's up to you to wrestle. But you recognize you are wrestling with something this morning. Would you come down to this altar? I want to pray for you. Nobody needs to know what you're wrestling with. It's between you and God. But you know there's something here you're wrestling with. And God just might answer our prayer. God is good. The Spirit's still seeking a bride. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Each of these folks standing at this altar are here because they recognize they inside of themselves is wrestling with something. Now, I want to speak to the rest of us that are out there that haven't come up. Those of you who have once wrestled with something and you've seen God bring the breakthrough, would you come and stand behind them so that everybody's got support? You know what it is to wrestle with something. Thank you. Thank you. This is what the body of Christ does. We support one another. Heavenly Father, we're going to pray right now for each of these that have come forward. God, they recognize they're wrestling inside with something right now. And Father, I don't need to know what it is, and none of the rest of us need to know what it is. It's the fact that you are working in their lives. And so, Father, as they've taken this step of faith, as they've stepped up, as they've stepped up to this altar seeking you, God, I pray that you will bring clarity. I believe that there's somebody who, who, who's got a decision and they, they can't make the decision alone. Someone's got a partner with them in that decision, and they're having a real struggle with that. And Father, right now, we're just asking in the name of Jesus that your spirit would have your way, that you would move in the lives of these men and women. Father, that you would touch each of these people. Father, I feel like, like uh, for someone, it's baggage. For someone, it's something in the past. That's their limp. And uh, they feel limited in moving forward because they feel like this marks them and sets them back. And Lord, I'm just going to pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring a breakthrough, that that would not be a hindrance, that your spirit would just move and cleanse, dredge out, dredge out what doesn't belong, God. Move down deep in their heart and purify. God, you want to do something really special in their lives. And I pray that you would have your way, that you would move and do that. I pray that there would be liberty, freedom. I don't know what that means but some kind of liberty, some kind of freedom would just come into these lives. God, that you'd bring renewal, that you'd bring a refreshing. God, that you'd do a new thing. It's a new day opportunity. You're doing a new thing in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray. Father, I, I, I believe that uh, for some of us here, it's, a, it's an issue of forgiveness. There's something someone did that hurt us deep. And it's wounded us, and we're carrying the scars from that. Uh, Father, I pray that you're going to deliver from that past, 
Father, help them to take that offense and to lay it, dump it out at the altar, give it to you so that you can move in and cleanse and restore and renew and empower. God, let the sun rise again. Father, give us a new day, a new opportunity, a new uh, fresh start, God. Just move in our lives and make that new. And whatever the past holds, let us leave it in the past because it's a new day. The sun's rising again. Help us to embrace it and help us to walk with courage into the future because the sun is coming up. The sun is coming up in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I believe God's heard our prayer. I believe things are going to be different. Amen. You may be walking with a limp, but it's okay because the sun's coming up. Go with God. He loves you.